If you're in a backslidden condition today, Pastor Ed Taylor says now's the time to remember, repent, and repeat. You've got to do an about face. You've got to get your eyes back on the cross. Start looking to Jesus once again. Start talking to him again. Come back to the communion table. As you come to that realization of just how far you've gotten away, don't just sit there and feel bad about it, condemning yourself. Remember and repent and come back to the one that forgives and restores. And then repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat the first works. Go back to basics and start over. You can start over. This is amazing grace. glad to have you with us and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in a study of Hebrews and we're in chapter two. All week long we've been talking about backsliding, learning what it is, the steps to it, and now today how to quit. It's important to realize when you're in this condition there is a way out and that's spotlighted today as we open our Bibles to Revelation chapter two. Too many are leaving their first love. You know, what is their first love? How would you define first love? I think it's best to to go back to the time as a new believer or a newer believer where everything was fresh and new and you didn't really know anything. Maybe back to the days where you couldn't find a book of the Bible. Uh, Back to the days when when you heard a Bible study, you actually did it that same day. Where you just sensed that God was saying, I want to touch this in your life, and I want this over here. And this was, and you began to have a growing, abiding relationship with God. You know, I couldn't help but think of my own life as I began to think back on the new believer time in my life and how important it was to me to whatever the Bible said I wanted it to be done in my life. I wanted to be the kind of husband that God wanted me to be. I wanted to be the kind of dad that God wanted me. I wanted to be a son and a better. I wanted every facet of my life to undergo radical spiritual surgery so that I would be the person that would walk in unity with God. So I'd find myself at every Bible study that was possible. Back in the day, we would devour Bible studies on something called cassette tapes. You remember those? Cassette tapes. We'd even have to take it out and flip it over so we could hear the other side. And I was so hungry to learn, what does God say? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's amazing. And I had this this desire and zeal. Remember, it was to the church, another church right here in Revelation, the church of Laodicea, that Jesus said something like this. I wish that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. So I'll spit you out of my mouth. Imagine having not only Jesus against you, but to expel you violently in this relationship that you once had. When you compare hot, that would be really what Jesus is speaking of here, that first love, that the hotness and the, the burning love that you had for him. Of course, cold would be completely against him, and lukewarm is just horrible. You just, you're not either or. You're just letting all kinds of stuff happen in your life, and you're really not taking a stand for anything. 
It took just 60 years. Just 60 short years for a church that flipped their city upside down or right side up, if you will, to get a note from Jesus warning them, it's almost done, folks. It's almost done. I see that in the broader sense of the church of Jesus Christ today, of which we are a part of. You know, there are different studies and statistics that say, oh, the church attendance is down, church attendance is up. But we're, we're seeing in these latter days more people get saved collectively around the world, churches growing than ever before. I see it only in, already in our own culture. Large churches growing thousands and thousands and lots of church planting like never before. So the church is getting wider and wider, but not very deep. Why is that? Why are more people going to church? Why are more people raising their kids? Why are more people claiming the name? Why is it that more people in our culture seem to be joining a church somewhere, but our culture remains unaffected? How, how is it? Well, there's a couple thoughts. Number one, I think that there's a lot of people that profess Jesus Christ, but are simply not born again. And there's something about them that they want. They want to be a part of something. And they want to feel like they're close to God, but they've never repented of their sins. So they're just churchgoers. Unless you think it only happens out there, it certainly happens here among us. This isn't about them compared to us. It's about us, the larger body of Christ. You know, the culture is not being affected because there's just a lot of professing believers just play acting. But secondly, the church is filled with backsliders. The church is filled with people that have left their first love. They're caught up with the cares and concerns of this life. They're distracted. I mean, you have people come worship Jesus Christ on a Saturday night, go into the bathroom downstairs, change into their party clothes, and then head out to the party and to the clubs. Why? How is that going to affect this world for Jesus Christ? I mean, you have, you have in the body of Christ this habit. We didn't do this when we were new believers. As new believers, when we, we heard the word of God, we immediately obeyed it. But over time, we get a little bit of the Bible under us. We become the, the most experienced theologians, and we can make excuses and reasons for any bad behavior. You know, let's, let's take in our own culture here, now, now that in our own state that they have They've legalized marijuana. And I can't tell you how many times, man, the excuses and the justifications for being under the influence of pot and just checking out in life and like, hey, man, God bless you. Jesus loves you, man. Can you pass the joint? And you say, wait a minute, where do you see that in the Bible? Well, hey, man, open up to Genesis with me. Let me get there. It takes me a while, you know. <laughs> and then it says right here, I changed my voice back. It says right here. <laughs> I don't know why I got caught up in that. <laughs> it says right here in Genesis that God has given to us every herb of the field to enjoy. No, it actually says every herb of the field to eat. So are you taking the stalk of marijuana and eating it? No, man, but I've got the brownies. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about, these edibles. The reality is, is that you're choosing to take a scripture to twist it out of context that God never gave you permission just to check out on life and be drunk and high your entire life. That is not from the Lord. The Bible says this, be ye not drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. 
that if you're going to be controlled by anything, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to be controlled by the power of God in your life. And you're going to be led by him. And you're going to do what he says. And you're going to do what he doesn't. And you're not going to do what he says not to do. Listen, if God gave you every herb of the field, then why aren't you smoking the grass in your front, front lawn? Why aren't you taking poison ivy and rubbing it all over your body? Why? Because you're justifying behavior that you know. You don't need a pastor to tell you. You're justifying behavior that's destructive and that helps you pull out of reality when in reality, God wants you to live in this culture to make a difference, not check out of it. Maybe that's why the culture's not being affected by the church because it, the church tends to be filled with professing believers and backslidden ones, and it's not God's heart. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Well, how do you come back? It's a good question to ask because anyone anywhere that is backslidden can always come home, and true believers will. Notice with me what Jesus says in verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So in order to help you remember, or for those of you listening in that need to do this, here are the three steps. And quite often they happen all at the same time. Number one, remember from where you have fallen. Remember, and this is one of those times where you can literally say, remember the good old days. Remember, remember back when life was all about your love relationship with God. Remember back when it was so exciting to learn and it was so exciting to serve and it was so exciting to lead and it was so exciting to deny yourself and say, yes, Lord, I've taken my life and gone in this direction. I want to follow you. I want to give myself. I want to grow in deeper places. Remember from where you are fallen. Remember. Use your memory to think back to the time when you fell away and go back there. Go back to the beginning where Jesus was your everything. Remember the power of Jesus that saved your life. Remember the miry clay you were stuck in. Remember the traps of sin. Remember the pains of life. And if you were raised in a godly home, then go back to the generation where God saved your grandpa or your great-grandpa and thank God for the time in their lives. That's why you got a godly heritage. Thank God for it and get back to basics. Come back to your first love. Do you know, by the way, if you've been backsliding in your marriage, this is the first step to getting things right in your marriage. Remember your love relationship with your spouse. Remember the covenant you made. Go back past all the problems and all the issues and all the arguments, and let's get back to basics. Number two, repent. Repent. Hey, remember, he's not going to do anything unless you take action, and the action that God says is repent. Now, again, this is one of those places where the church loves to argue about believers, whether they should repent of sin or not. Should believers repent of sin? Well, I want you to notice Jesus is telling a church to repent of their sin twice. So the answer is yes. We should live a life of repentance continually, ongoing. We should take what the Word of God says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and purify us from all righteousness. We need to live a life of repentance. 
but not like the world. It's not, this isn't worldly sorrow. This isn't remember from where you have fallen and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Look where I'm at now. I've messed things up. I've been far away. Yes, I left my first love. What a horrible person I am. How bad I've made things. Look at the consequences. Look what I've ruined. That's actually called worldly sorrow. You're upset that you got caught. You're upset about the consequences that have come. And you combine that with condemnation. Condemnation will never get you closer to God. It will always separate you farther and farther away. It's not God's heart for you to be condemned over your failures. It's God's heart for you to repent, to turn back, to leave that lifestyle behind. If it's ever pictured beautifully for us, it's in the prodigal son that ran away from his dad. The Bible says he finally came to his senses and what? He left the condition of his prodigal living and he what? Went back home. He did this the opposite. No, instead of worldly sorrow, you want to have what the Bible calls godly sorrow. That it's not actually about you and what you've lost. It's about your sin against a holy and a righteous God. Like the psalmist says, David, in his psalm of repentance, he speaks of having the joy of his salvation return to him. He, he speaks of how he sinned against God. And he was involved in some horrifically difficult things, and yet God received him back only through repentance. You've got to do an about face. You've got to get your eyes back on the cross. Start looking to Jesus once again. Start talking to him again. Come back to the communion table. As you come to that realization of just how far you've gotten away, don't just sit there and feel bad about it, condemning yourself. Remember and repent and come back to the one that forgives and restores. And then finally, number three, we're going to use an, another R word to keep it consistent. When he says, do the first works, repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat the first works. Go back to basics and start over. You can start over. You and I, we serve the God of the second chance. But in some cases, we can't even keep up on the chances that God extends to us in his grace and his mercy. Go back and do it over again. Do a do-over and what is it, the first works? So I think it's really important that we grasp this. Because I don't think it's the works that Jesus is praising them on. It's actually this. Listen, John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Backsliding is not just a heart issue, it's a faith issue. You not only left your first love, but you've left the essence of faith and trust in a God who loves you. And whenever we're lacking faith, we're always gonna go backwards and away from God. Go back to the life of faith and dependence. Go back to the place where everything truly was exciting for you, where you were humble and broken before God. Because notice, if you don't, if you don't repent and do the first works, I'll come to you, he says in verse five, quickly, and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Are you too busy for the Lord? Are you too active? Are you, are you just going through the motions? Then Jesus would say to you, I won't stay around a church that doesn't love me, where I'm not welcome. And it doesn't matter how much you do for him. It doesn't matter how active you are. It's the love relationship that matters. It's the very foundation. 
You know, we can have all kinds of things. Now back to our church at large. We can have all kinds of things going on. We can have doctrine of purity. We can have all sorts of programs, but Jesus isn't going to stick around a place where there isn't any love. He said the essence of how the world will understand the distinction of his followers is by our love for one another, us. And you know how difficult it can be sometimes to love one another, even in Christ, but that's the definitive mark of a true church, of true believers, that we respond in love toward one another and that there's an evidence of love among us. Because, you know, churches can die. You know that. Churches can have a name that they're alive, but they're dead inside. Just turn the page in Revelation, would you? To a church in another city, in the city of Sardis, in chapter 3. Jesus writes, and he says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. This is verse 2 and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. Not only can that describe churches, but it can describe people. It's the number one thing that Jesus rebuked the spiritual leaders of the day. He actually spoke of them as whitewashed tombs, where everything is clean on the outside, but not on the inside. Backsliding serious stuff, guys. Whether it's a small little area that's going to lead to more, whether it's wholesale, you may, you're not even here, you're listening in from afar, or somebody handed these studies to you, it's time to come home, especially in these last days. As the days grow darker, the brightness of the church will only continue to increase through those that are pressing forward in their relationship with Him. Let me show you one more thing. Would you turn over to Jude for a moment? Jude only has one chapter. It's a few pages over. I mean, it's just right before. It's Jude and then Revelation. Turn to Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. Such an encouraging, encouraging instruction here for us. We don't want to be a church functioning apart from the Holy Spirit. We don't want to have a home that functions apart from the Holy Spirit. We don't have a marriage functioning apart from the Holy Spirit. We don't want to have a single life apart from the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says, whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And notice what Jude writes in verse 20 here in Jude. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, notice verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's possible for you to remove yourself from God's full blessing of love. It's possible. Just as it's possible to block the rays of the sun in your life, where without, you know, maybe you take out an umbrella on a very sunny day so you can be in the shade. The sun is still beating down but you've actually removed yourself from the effects of the sun. Well, in the same way, you can remove yourself from the full effects of the love of God. You can have that umbrella, if you will, of backsliding, a life of compromise. And so what does he say? Keep yourselves in the love of God. And he does it in the backdrop of these sensual persons that cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you guys, keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. We want the fullness to experience the fullness of God's love and to extend it to others. 
And so if you feel far from God today, God's saying to you, I'm right here. I haven't moved. You're the one that started to slip. You stepped away, so come back to me. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Unless you think this will never happen to you, it can. It just takes a little bit of time. You learn the motions, you learn the habits, you learn the routines, and everything that you once had in a love relationship with God is replaced with routine and ritual, matched with compromise and a lack of love, and things can get really messy really fast. And that's simply not God's heart for you. It's not God's heart for me. And if you'll just turn back to him today, he'll receive you. And by the way, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. Like like God created you for relationship with him. I know you might have been taught that you're just the product of some random selection and evolution, but that's not the truth. You were created in the image of God. And the distance that you have from God today is because of your sin. I had a young man come up after service last night, a young man, probably in his teens or early 20s, and he responded to the invitation. And as I was talking to him to clarify the gospel, the good news, talking to him about his position separate from God because of sin, I looked him in the eye and I could just tell. I said, you don't need me to explain sin to you, do you? He goes, no, no. I said, you know exactly what the sin is in your life, don't you? Oh, yes. And you want to turn from it? And he said, yes. And so I began to speak to him about the blood of Jesus Christ, the fullness of forgiveness and the removal of guilt, the innocent Son of Man, the Son of God died in your place in order that you by faith might receive the forgiveness of your sins. That today, if you turn away from your sinful past and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And he was so eager and so ready. And maybe you are today so eager and so ready to get your life right with God. Well, that's a good decision. And I'd invite you to do just that. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, as you were encouraging our listeners to get right with God, I was thinking it would be cool to end our time in prayer. Would you pray for and with that backslidden believer right now who's wanting to come back home? I'd love to do that, Larry. Father, I do come to you at the end of the program here, knowing that I'm in here in time. I delivered this Bible study a while ago, and now here we are talking about it again. And There are always those that have been backslidden, uh, going back to alcohol, drugs, partying, giving up on God, testing the waters with the LGBTQ community now and wondering what my identity is and just pulling away, maybe hurt. And I pray for the backslidden. I pray for those that might even be super angry with you right now that just are so overwhelmed by their own circumstances and by the things that are going on in the world today. Bring them back, Lord. Bring them back, like your word says, with your cords of love. Even though I know those cords of love come from a holy, righteous God who might speak very difficult words into their hearts. Lord, I pray they would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to them and bring them back fast 
uh, and with authority, Lord, so that they might be the church and be used in a great way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you just prayed along with Pastor Ed, way to go. And please let us know so we can keep praying for you. You'll find a place to contact us on our website. It's AboundingGraceRadio.com. That's also the place to go to hear this program again. It's called How Do I Quit Backsliding? Again, we're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings, he is through the Calvary Aurora app. Search for Calvary Aurora or listen to us through Apple Podcasts. Wouldn't you like to experience revival and power in your life? Well, we picked out an excellent book this month that can help you get on that road. It's The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. This classic book has helped millions experience personal revival with Jesus Christ. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Calvary Road. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Our four-part miniseries on the topic of backsliding continues tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us how to have a heart to restore the backslider. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.